This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 421, Zero AIs Given. Afternoon, Michael Rowe here on Friday, getting ready to um, have some fun and talk some tech with my friends and co-hosts. Let's start with you, Michael Martin. How are you? And welcome back. Oh, thank you so much. Glad to be here. Thanks for carrying on without me. Great show last week. Delighted to be ready to go for this show. And uh, Andy, I hope you're having a fantastic Friday yourself. I'm very well. Thanks, Michael. Uh, which one of you would win in a cage fight is what I'd like to see. And I'm guessing based on Michael Martin's most recent activities, it would probably be Michael Martin. But anyway, cage fights seem to be the thing at the moment. So he's got a good six inches on I, me. I think it's I think it's <laughs> octagon, isn't it? Well, well, it's just an interesting uh, thought exercise, really thought experiment from from my perspective. <laughs> but yes, you were right. We did have an excellent show last week. So folks, should, you should go back and listen to episode 420 because it was very good. And uh, this one's it's, looking good as well. Dude. It is. And, and you know, Andy, we need to start off with uh, with an Andy was right. I mean, granted, we should start every episode off with an Andy was right. right. Um, I thought we do. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there was um, two episodes ago when we were talking about the keynote from Apple's WWDC conference, uh, Andy made the very astute observation that um, how many times did Apple use the word AI or the the acronym AI in their conversation? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember. It would be very very small number, if not yes. a, a non non existent number. Probably. Non- I think they did it as many times as they used the word meta. <laughs> Well, C- Caroline Mims Nice wrote this lovely article in the Atlantic, and um, perhaps she's a listener. And if she is, welcome to the show. Glad you're here. Uh, but it was uh, one of the observations that she made in the article about Apple not using the word AI at all, but recognizing that Apple is an AI company and giving several different examples of exactly how that is and how these various elements and functions and features are tweaking their way forward using machine learning, personalization on device in many cases to be able to um, recognize those advances. Well, what they did, which I thought was brilliant as they were going through all the different sessions at WWDC is instead of talking AI as this conceptual marketing speak, they actually told you the types of models they were using in various things, right? Mm. And so so get rid of the hype, get rid of the crap, talk to the two, tech that you're actually using. Two things. First of all, it was a developer conference, so that was appropriate. Yes. Um, second of all, exactly. by being more precise about what the technology is, it prevents um, people going overboard with some of the statements. So yep. we've got in this article, and I've talked about it, um, if not on the show, then elsewhere, we've got Sam Altman posting about how AI is the most amazing tool yet created. Well, that's convenient. He's got a company which has got AI in the title, and he's trying to hype up its product and, and, and service. Wouldn't, you know, even though we've all discussed and agreed that it's not AI, it's a large language model. There was a fantastic piece I read somewhere else this week, and I'll have to quickly see if I can find it, 
where they were talking to um, a, a particular person who's sort of seen as the godfather of some of this stuff. And when asked what it is, he said it's applied statistics, um, which again mm -hmm. is totally true. So Excellent. yeah, I think it's uh, it's quite nice from my perspective as someone inside the industry to see the way that this is being phrased here. Yeah, absolutely. So Andy, again, you were right. That was awesome. Um, we, none of us argued with you at the time because we saw and observed what you mm -hmm. noticed. And this was really a, a neat article that kind of uh, illustrated those elements. Now, Ivanova um, was right. Always listen to Ivanova. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 Michael, I need to remember her, her, her actual little phrase yeah, that exactly she had, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> We have to look that up in the show notes. Yeah, that, maybe so. So, Michael, um, I, I listened with great interest uh, to your um, 80, not 79, not 81, but 80 uh, various uh, elements that you listened to and took place in your staycation. And with all the excitement around Vision Pro, we've got a couple of interesting follow-on stories from this week around Vision Pro. And the, the first of the bunch is from a Cult of Mac article about various apps that Apple is not allowing to be ported to the vision os sdk and i was really curious as to what your take on this was given what you've seen so far and if you're like hey i'm in agreement and this is a way to avoid some of the glass well, examples that we've talked about here many times before or it, where it, are you the the article is actually it's it's funny uh, the article doesn't really say anything new that apple didn't actually say in the sessions mm -hmm. Right? I mean, they were very clear of the types of stuff that they would allow in the consistent messaging of user privacy and user security and people owning their own environment, owning their own data. This is a, if, if you think that a cell phone knows a lot about you, the Vision Pro as it's currently designed will know, you know, 10x more, <laughs> right? Because not only does it have the, the ability and the necessity to fully scan its environment uh, to place things, etc. It also has to do detailed eye tracking, so it knows attention much more than your your browser or your cell phone does as you scroll through things. And the types of apps that they talk about are all about things that are either scanning the environment for additional information, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know physical body location information, right? Physical room location information, or tracking the user's intent on things. And the way they've isolated the APIs of um, the cursor movement, right? Which is your intent, where your eyes go, it tracks that in order to highlight things. Mm -hmm. And where you actually interact, i.e. press or click or hover, right? those, that long intention is actually an action, just as if you were clicking on a web link oh, 100%. or hovering on a button, 100%. right? That's, that's user intent that you actively are giving to something versus, you know, I glanced my eyes at that ad that popped up in the top right for 30 seconds. Yeah, and that's, that's right? absolutely measurable. So you're right. Yeah. And so they've said, we're going to take that ability away from the developers, away from companies that is going to be isolated those messages will not hover up in the APIs to the applications so if you do if you develop an app that is dependent on that type of information mm -hmm. whether it's positioning of the room uh, 
physical location of the body, uh, physical attention of the eyes, etc., they will disallow it. It's that simple. It makes sense. Will, will that be something that's interrogatable to know if that's happening inside the app before the app gets uh, approved? They've, they, well, they've isolated it away, so you're going to have to be going down into uh, unpublished APIs okay. to get to that. Hmm. So we've kind of gone at things possibly the wrong way around here, I think. Um, because we started talking about the sure. fact that the that we have we in terms of our links and our run of show here we we add the fact that Apple this week, as Michael said it would uh, they would uh, last week, have now released the uh, SDK and that's given us a bunch of rules around what is available and uh, what people should be using can be using the um, device and the SDK for. Um, I first saw this because uh, lots of people started posting about this on Mastodon and, 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 and uh, somebody I know who now is now at Apple posted, you know, um, the Apple PR piece about the developer tools being available. Subsequently, we've now learned from sort of people dissecting what's in the SDK, what's the possible that Michael was just going into, um, what's not allowed, and there's speculation as to why. But then also we've seen a few people start to actually port their apps, now Michael being one of them. But um, <laughs> before that, um, there's a nice piece we have from Cult of Mac with, um, that's actually not the one I'm thinking of. We, we had a, a piece <laughs> about, uh, <laughs> we, we had a piece about um, the, the, the apps that people have ported and, and screenshots and things that people have ported, which is, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in, when when the SDK was was released on Wednesday, I was was out at an event, so I didn't have time to look at it Wednesday night. So I got it on the machine last night, <laughs> and looking at just all the pictures of people porting their apps. You know, the initial ones were I'm running my app, which basically was just iPad versions, and then you saw as people were morphing right. their app into a full native Vision Vision Pro um, Vision OS, sorry, app. Um, it, it's interesting, Andy. You and I last week had this discussion. Um, Right now, the compiler directives, mm. you know how you have uh, if the OS is Mac OS or whatever, XROS. <laughs> Even because I was like, why can't I put a compiler directive in for Vision OS? Uh, so it's still XROS in, in the compiler directives. Right. Uh, I'm sure they'll fix that. Anyway, um, the, 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 the interesting thing is it was effectively trivial for my app. I mean, it's a trivial app. Let's let's admit what it is. Uh, but I've got all kinds of dependencies in there that I've been slowly simplifying over time. Uh, but it, taking and generating a new target platform uh, for the build and including uh, the appropriate XROS stuff was trivial. And after seeing all those really cool examples of people doing stuff that are radically taking advantage of the environment, like... Uh, Jig space. I thought that one was really cool. I think having with your app having the animated penguin popping out of the cuckoo clock is going to be great. Oh, that's going to be awesome. I, I'm 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 right on that right now. I'm really working on that right now. <laughs> you need to have the killer uh, yeah, app portion just, of the killer app, Michael. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe while watching it, it should do jump scares. <laughs> right? If you know, kill your audience. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just amazing what what people are doing already, and it's only been what not even forty eight hours that the API has been available. 
Well, it proves out what you said last week, Michael, and what you've been saying for quite a while, that it's this level of flexibility that what's already been written can be easily reused and ported. And that's proving exactly that. Well, they, yeah, they've done a great job. They, they really have, I think. Now, well, now you did a, we'll see as I get further into the summer. <laughs> so, so you did a, a quick little demo for us and you, you shared a little movie of something you tried out already yourself right away, which was really yep. cool except for the first part was it got all blurry and everything. So what was up with that? Well, actually, so, so, um, uh, I don't run the, um, beta operating system on my production development machine, uh, which is a lie. Cause I do, I just have it as a separate boot partition, right? Different, it's different startup disc. Uh, and so, um, I was, I was working on it and I recorded a video of my app running in the simulator, uh, and immediately texted it to the both of you. Mm-hmm. And then rebooted the machine to be ready for the podcast today. Uh, so I think what happened is it just didn't upload the whole video. And you would, I mean, it was using iMessage and it was a 150 megabyte video. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it failed um, in an interesting way. Yeah, it just, it gave you the whole video, but it was like highly pixelated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it looked. It was like 8-bit. Actually, I specifically did this for you, Michael. I know how much you love 8-bit things. Yeah. It did look legitimately <laughs> like it had been it kind of did. censored, right? So, yeah, it was a fun, yeah. fun fail. Yeah, which was my gut reaction, right? Because you, you hear people saying, oh, no, there's the NDA. You can't uh, blah, blah, blah. It's like I'm seeing tons of people posting, you know, here's my app running. <laughs> so- um, but... Uh, but it was uh, the, the the video when I finally got you guys the right one. I mean, yes, the app is working. It's taking advantage of a lot of the native um, Chrome, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the way the tab bar system works, et cetera. Uh, but there's obviously work that has to be done. So two hours to get it fully ported. And now, as Andy, you and I were talking before the show, uh, now comes the real work when I start looking at the user experience to take advantage of the platform. So, so there seem to be other limitations that we were, were discovering, and I'm sure we're going to discover more in the next 48 hours or something. Uh, there was a 9 to 5 Mac article that I kind of sent to you as a bit of a joke that uh, maybe there was a speed limit, and that's why it was pixelated and kind of moving around. So apparently Vision Pro has a speed limit, um, and there are um, error messages like moving at unsafe speed, which... The speculation, at least thus far, is is that you shouldn't be wearing your Vision Pro as you are operating a vehicle or, you know, riding a unicycle I, or whatever you might be doing. I was forward. at an event. I was at an event last night, and as I as I was leaving, I was talking to uh, somebody else who is not in tech. They were an accountant, but they come to tech events to learn what's new and what's going on. And we talked about the headset, and um. She was saying that she thought it might be interesting for for scenarios like learning to drive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At which point I kind of said, "Yeah, but you know, well, mm, vehicles seems dangerous, etc." Wearing in and and so in that context, and we have video games for that, right? But of course, you know, <laughs> in in the context of sitting, doing, wearing something like that, and potentially learning, let's say your car was running. Uh, an Apple operating system, which took over the whole dashboard, then wouldn't you be able to simulate that very yeah. easily within an Apple headset? But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting conversation for some, from with, with someone who doesn't live in the tech space in terms of what they thought was interesting about it. You know, you know that just popped in my uh, as soon as you said that, I was like the demo that they did for the Apple car dash last summer. I wonder if that was actually just rendered in vision OS. You, you, you never know, right? 
Well, that's what that's what the that's why I came came up with the connection dynamically just then. You see, thinking about the fact that in in, in principle, they're 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 going to this kind of wraparound concept. Though, of course, in the in the yeah. auto auto industry, it seems more uh, organizations are moving towards Android based alternatives at the moment, all their own, which is another uh, situation. Well, uh and, and unfortunately, I was really disappointed to see this. And I think, Michael, you pinged it to us, you know, uh, all about Android just did their last episode. What's up with that? Is Android over? Did did, did they give up? Did, did Vision OS blow, blow them out of the water? Yeah, you'll have to ask Leo. I'm sure he has a perspective on that. It's, uh, it's going to all be future, isn't it? Something. <laughs> something, something. Um, you, you know, there's one other thing I'm going to return back to, and then we'll move forward again with with uh, some other links we've got. And that is, um, Michael, you talked a little bit about intents and intention. And uh, mm -hmm. over this past weekend, one of the things that we did was a bit of an experiment around intention, too. So the, the example here was you had two people, and you were um, approximately two arms length apart from one another. And the, those two people had to... Um, one of them had to count backwards from 50 in their head and then at some random number put their intention into their right arm and their fist and then point at the other individual. And the notion was trying to be to determine when that was going to happen as the receiver of this. So counting backwards was masking the intention. And mm -hmm. what was really quite incredible is, is that people were rather successful at telling when the their partner was about to point at them even though it was random and at, at some point in the beginning it was very very physical right you could tell someone would tense up a little bit and get ready to have their arms down from their sides to point and other times it was like the the per the receiver would would say now or or say signal and it was right as the intention was being put into the hand so I love what you, you described there around the limitations because that level of, of intent and intention, if detected and used, could be used and potentially misused in a whole range of ways. But it's also interesting to see how uh, individuals, people can be sensitive to intention from one another as well. And there may be some elements there that um, are beyond just the, the physical, like where is my gaze being focused? So just thought I would share that with you guys because I thought it was interesting. Um, now, other things that folks thought were interesting was a, a quick little toot we had from ePred around a game environment that is making use of Excel. And I thought for the moment, it was like, um, yeah, that's exactly what I want in my gaming environment. But apparently EVE Online allows you to leverage Excel and, uh, and use that to enhance your gameplay. Well, I mean, uh, have you played EVE Online at all? I watched some videos of it a long time ago. I have not actually played it. I, 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 I a couple of years ago, I, I tried to get into it after hearing about it for so long and watching videos and stuff. And the, the amount of mathematics and economic theory you have to work on, you probably do want Excel in EVE Online in order to enjoy the game. <laughs> Well, if that's if that's what it takes, I'm not sure I'm going to change my. Yeah, um, <laughs> have enough that during the Eve day. Online, <laughs> Eve Online is 20 years old. My goodness. Yeah, that is uh, an amazing. They'll be able to vote next year. Fact. Wow, that's already able to vote in the UK. What can I tell you? <laughs> um, 
yeah, it's 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 interesting that we well, it, it it ties in very directly to the the way the show was born, right? Because we have frequently talked about using uh, sort of command and control type uh, behaviors from massively multiplayer online games, um, dashboards, data perception, management, uh, and all of those kinds of things. Um, in, in where, where you play those in as Michael's favorite game, World of Warcraft, and you're managing a, a raid or something, um, you're demonstrating a lot of leadership and management skills. And this is just another example of how you can tie together those kind of two worlds. It's an unusual one. You're demonstrating so, a lot of CFO and supply chain skills here then, I suppose, right? Potentially. <laughs> you should get on this. <laughs> you know, our, our CFOs and, and supply chain, chief supply chain officers in the making, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, gotta get started with EVE Online here. I, I mean, it does refer to the article here on PC Gamer does refer to Microsoft Excel as the world's favorite spreadsheet software. And I would potentially take some issue with that. Yep. Notice that too. Um, that there, there's, there's not a ton of competition out there for it, but, uh, you know, there, there you have it. As a quick mention, we probably should also pull in the um, the toot from Thomas uh, about has anyone ported the '90s virtuality games yet? Um, and um, those are fun. That's a fun. fun. Uh, well, it's a fun set of follow ups to the comment where people start talking about games they did play on the virtuality setup and the fact that actually it didn't look terribly awful as a device because it didn't have an entire computer stuffed into it and battery in. You know all of those other things. Um, there's people in the thread talking about actually having played the original Quake on. Um, so uh, it's it's kind of fun. I haven't seen anybody try and port sort of traditional VR flash 3D games to to it yet, but I'm sure people are working on it. Uh, must be the case. Yeah, must be. Um, Next up is um, going into our, our, our cultural reference sections, uh, as we do every so often, um, a story about Marvel using AI for the Secret Invasion opening credits. So um, we joke, at least on the show notes, that every one of our show notes is lovingly handcrafted by a human, which, by the way, they are. Um, and I, I'll fight anyone who tries so to say no otherwise. Joke. Yeah, so it's no joke. <laughs> but uh, apparently... And and I have not seen this trailer or the movie or oh. anything related to it yet. Um, have have either of you? Well, it's to not see a trailer. AI it's, created. It's, 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 you know, it's the show started. Yeah, opening credits Wednesday, right? Yeah. yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I I have looked at the opening credits in the uh, that were posted as part of this story in Huffington Post, and they don't look great um, to my to my mind. But um, they also. Are look, they also do look a little disturbing and creepy, and that's kind of the vibe that they've gone for throughout with the spy thriller type uh, scenario that this show is presenting. So, no, I haven't started to watch it yet, and, I, and I'm so far behind on various different shows and the new Star Trek Strange New Worlds as well. Yeah, the, the plan was to start it last night and just obviously had other priorities, right? <laughs> um well, if you could watch it on your Apple Vision Pro, then you'd probably have combined the two things. But yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, you just oh, yeah. darken you know the environment and create a, a theatrical if, screen. If, if only I had one. He what says without winking at all. Um, no, 
<laughs> I did wonder why everybody was posting the, pic- uh, the picture of identical looking living rooms until I worked out that no, nobody actually has one. Well, that's the Apple developer living room uh, kit that you have to buy right. if you're going to code at home. Right. Oh, so you have to re- redo your um, your furniture and everything to be... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's why WWDC was so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you could 3D print that. You know, that would be a good thing to do. Um, so You could, but it'd only be about three centimeters cubed. But, 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 <laughs> live in space. But let's, very, let's, let's talk about the, uh, very quickly actually deep diving on uh, a bit more on, into whether, yeah. you know, it's not just a question of whether or not we like the credits from the Marvel uh, show. The argument there is because there's a writer's strike at the moment that um, Marvel are using AI to replace artists and writers and people that could be um getting creative artistically I, 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 okay i i haven't actually looked at the opening oh you haven't oh you should wait you to should, watch the show should, no. no you should have have a look it's um, not there's, but, there's no spoilers in there but, at all but did they actually do that because this was probably not filmed during the sc- the strike right well no it it's wasn't. probably been filmed you know two years ago right correct <laughs> and uh it, but it looks like the credits have been created much more recently and were probably being left to the last minute mm. because they wanted to tie in with various other things potentially. So that's the whole story here. Really, is not just that mm, it looks a bit poor compared to other um, Marvel TV shows, um, but are they actually doing this for negative reasons? And they say no. Uh, yep. People believe yes. Um, and, and people believe lots of things, know. and we don't know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I can see that there's at least a couple places where we can watch the opening uh, without being in the theater. So that's why I was thinking trailer-wise here too. But they, these could also be artistic decisions that are trying to capture the zeitgeist of the time. Exactly. You know, like okay, uh, do, do the characters have like six fingers or you know an, an uncommon number of teeth or something like that. <laughs> I, I was actually, I was uh, talking with a friend the other day and we were talking about uh, tech writers because uh, we have a tech writer that we both know who is the stereotypical tech, tech writer. And uh, they were not worried, actually, they were not worried about uh, uh, ChatGPT and their job, uh, even though they had just gotten laid off as a tech writer. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, um, not to go too dark on this, uh, so so I was like, okay, I, let me show you something really cool. I've got uh, you know Diffusion B on my Mac, mm-hmm. and let's see what a tech writer looks like. Uh, <laughs> and it, it almost matched the guy who's a friend of ours. <laughs> and uh, what was bizarre was he's got a big bushy beard that he just shaved off while he's interviewing because he felt it made him look old. Um, and so. Um, the the generated one had the guy's face and then had the guy's face in the beard too, <laughs> so just creepy as all get out. <laughs> uh, oh. got, gotta love generative models that uh, do pictures. They, they will get better. We all know that. All right. Well, yep. team, I think we're about ready to wrap up, and we had one uh, thing that combines. It almost looked like it combines Star Wars Lego and robotics here to kind of See, give us the, you the think whole that, thing. Almost. You'd think that because um, that you can get the Lego Atat walker. So this mm-hmm. is a story about uh, somebody who's made a uh, sort of a, a walking Atat uh, robot. 
But actually, if you look at the pictures and the story, it's about the original Atat toy, which I had in the 1980s, um, which is in the back of the top picture because the legs are kind of going a bit yep. yellow and and poor, and they mm, they went with which the that original. Plastic did yeah, that's right. They went with the original, um, you know, two inch whatever they were figures, uh, Star Wars figures mm -hmm. uh, from back in the day. Yeah. Um, so uh, that was one of my favorite, uh, and you could pull the trigger in the Atat's head and the the little uh, shooters on the side of its head would go back and forth. It was cool. Anyway, um, so this guy has um, built one that's kind of, you know, looks a bit like a lot of the robotic cats and dogs you see mm -hmm. um, with uh, servos and so on, designing designing it based on that original 1980s toy. So um, it's awesome, uh, very cool. All the CAD designs are on GitHub. I'm somewhat tempted nice. to do something with this but i have got other things i'm working on so <laughs> i'd say you have a long list of other things yeah i, I have a very on. long list of other things i was thinking this uh <laughs> today i was walking around a store and thinking you know just across the road i've got a large studio full of things that i haven't built yet so i really should do those before buying new things so that's... as you pick the new thing up and put it in your car i did not the cash register. I did. <laughs> oh you you definitely avoided that right Yet, yet again, Andy, you were right for doing so. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Well, <laughs> folks, uh, drop us your links. Uh, if you've got a suggestion for Michael about what should pop out of his cuckoo clock, uh, if you've got um, a suggestion about another kind of robotic element that could be created that Andy might work on, if you have an 8-bit video game that you need to get in front of me, all of this can be shared with us. We're on Mastodon. We're on all your favorite social media networks, and we would love to hear from you about what we could include in the next edition next week on gamesatwork.biz. And for now, we'll say see ya, and we'll catch you next time. See ya. Bye. Been listening to GamesAtWork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network, and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song "Big Blue." You can follow us on Twitter at GamesAtWork_biz or at our website at GamesAtWork.biz. Mm -hmm.